I'm Eliza Jansen. I'm Noah Jansen. And I'm Adele Dazim. <laughs> Welcome to the Oscars edition of Twin Picks. Gosh, I love movies. We would first like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which myself, Noah and Anthony are now recording, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Twin Picks, a movie podcast where we compare two films with some sort of tenuous similarity and we decide which one does its job better. That's what we do. Today, we'll let the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences do the job instead <laughs> and talk about, we, we just wanted to talk about the Oscars and... It's an Oscar special. <laughs> See what they select and think judge the Oscars their judgment. are pretty of special. So are we should they? talk about them. Well, sometimes, like mm. last year. What a fun little surprise that was. Yeah, that was a big, like, nice Thrilling. Oscar surprise, especially because there was a nasty surprise the previous year where everyone Truly. was like, what? It was sandwiched between two nasty surprises. We had the Moonlight Year, Green Book, and then yeah. um, Parasite. Yeah. Well, there's so much Oscars talk to get into, but we have to pace ourselves first before we do that. We must pause and break <laughs> down the incredible, and I do mean incredible, tournament bracket that happened on the Twin oh. Peaks socials. I was so chuffed that people... It, they their, engaged their with choice, it. That they made choices and that they were so different to what we thought. They were made. hilarious. Like, actually, the winner <laughs> is so funny because we kicked the winner out in round one. Okay. Sh- should I go through really intensely or I'll just point, I can point out some favorites? Yeah, of course. Okay. I'll point out some favorites. So, um, we had a really measured discussion. Most times, Kong was associated. Kong came in hot and heavy from day one in every match. Every match he had, every bout, he was winning by like 70%. People love King Kong. He was doing really, really well, okay? Um, what else do we have? Oh, um, we, we're not Freddy fans. We don't really care for Freddy that much. But, but the listeners put Freddy through As I thought might happen, Freddy, he, you know, Jason didn't really ever stand a chance, uh, which was, you know, I understand it, but I kind of disagree personally. Um, Scott Pilgrim was losing as well. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks as Joe was losing as well. That was all happening. So pretty rough there. You know, we got very yeah. intellectual about some of those if ones, but people were like, fuck that. A volcano logic, would murder you Tom You can Hanks. listen to the episode because we, we did talk about it. Like we have our reasons. Literally. Listen. So our finale was alien, alien versus the people. Versus the people. <laughs> Kong defeated Alien 74% to 26%. So happy about it. So vindicated. Uh, but like, I persist. You're out of here, the acid Alien. Blood, the acid oh. blood seeps through that beautiful chest hair of, of Kong to no end, no matter what he does. Because even if you tried to bite him, he'd like burn him from Imagine the inside. Imagine him beating his chest as the chest burst is coming out. Whoa. Damn. They need to make that happen. That's wonderful. Well, the so and you know, like if people had listened to the episode, they would have heard our justification that it's like, mm. I know you like Meryl Streep. I get it. <laughs> but okay, <laughs> but I think, in the movie, 
I think everyone was voting for Meryl Streep. They weren't voting for Joanna Kramer. Kramer. 100%. I mean, it didn't help that you called her in yeah. Kramer in brackets Streep. Like, I <laughs> just think because it, yeah. it did, otherwise people, if it was just voting 50-50% Kramer versus Kramer, they'd be like, which Kramer am I voting yeah. for? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you don't know, you, I needed did, to say which one. We did continually call Joe said, Tom Hanks as well. So yeah, we didn't yeah. help, help I probably should have said Joanna and Ted in brackets instead of Streep and Hoffman because we all know who deserves that win. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. J. Kramer, T. Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Okay, well, that's what it should have been. But anyway, the people love Streep. And I put this... Thanks. Streeple for the people. Streeple power. <laughs> Streeple power. Um, we had a few funny bouts with Streep that were really funny because, like... I don't know, like, so her round two, no, her, her her semi-final was against Batman, which reminded me of that, like, bit when you know, when we were kids and everyone watched Modern Family and there was that bit about yeah, being, that's like, true. like, Meryl Streep could play Batman and be right for it and stuff. And I was like, hey, there you go. She's beat Batman yeah. 58% to 42%. Mm. Also, I'm just going to put this on the floor as a bit of reflection for the listeners at home. There was a pretty clear gender split in the votes for <laughs> Streep every time. It was like... All fifteen of her votes would essentially be the women. Would be Wait, women. Wait, you can see who voted for them. Yeah, I saw. <gasps> I saw you all. That's wow. so interesting. Very interesting. I don't know what that says about us. We need to do better. No, I'm kidding. But there were. <laughs> but I, I was just like, yeah, wow. There you go. The women really wow. came in strong for. Did for you street. notice a big gender disparity in like Alien vs Predator <laughs> or anything? Like, <laughs> the women were like Gals Predator, love Predator, or something. Gals night out with like the, the world destroyer. Um, and then the finale. Because in Predator, he only kills men. The Predator. Yeah, he does. He spares Aww, the one. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah he does. Wow, there incredible. There you go. There it is. The alien infamously hates women. Yeah. The xenomorph is straight up a misogynist. Is it? Yeah, it's been trying to kill Ripley but consistently kills, forever. Think, but not because she's a woman. But it like impregnates. It tries to like. Oh, it does that to anyone. Well. Wow, you're mm. right. Yeah. We are the monster. I think whoever the alien wins, is more progressive deserve... than us. It doesn't see gender. It just, it just, kills. It just kills. It's whoever, true. You know? That's true equality when the alien tries to kill everyone equally. Yeah. It's true. Anyway. The finale, the grand final was oh against, was, was <clears throat> King Kong himself, the eighth wonder of the world versus Joanna Kramer. From this Kramer is the poll. This is the Instagram final. This is the Instagram Whereas for us final. it was... We had Kong get beaten by Alien and we had Meryl Streep get beaten in her first round. So Streep literally was out now round one and in this, because we did this audience poll, she has made it to the end. And before I say the winner, I'd like to point out a beautiful story that wonderful Darcy Eagle reminded me of, which is um, there's a picture that always, there's a picture of Meryl Streep on the subway that people say is her coming home from this audition, which isn't true. But in the 80s, Meryl Streep, went to an audition for, or was it the 70s? 70s. For the King Kong that had... Jeff um, Bridges. And Jessica Lange in it. And Jessica Lange. And the producers didn't know that she could speak Italian. And what's his name? Lorenzo Dino De Laurentiis. Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. Also I was thinking Lorenzo de Bonaventura, but that's, he's that? alive now. No, he's just, just all the Transformers well, and stuff. I have to say as well, previous friend of the pod, Max, his dad was second unit director on this film. King I Kong. knew your wow. I knew Max had some connections on this. Yeah. I knew that. I was like, oh, damn. I was like, How was wild. it human? No, but I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> no, absolutely it wasn't. Yeah. But um, anyway, Meryl he, Streep auditioned for the lead. Exactly. And when he walked into, so Dino's son had gotten Streep to come to the audition 
And when she walked in the room, he, Dino said to his son in Italian, something along the lines of like, why did you bring her in? She's really ugly. Like she's like, looks like, I don't know. I'm not going to continue making up what it is, but he just essentially she said something. She looks like a gabagool. <laughs> that. Wow. And then, <laughs> and then Meryl Streep replied something in Italian being like, <gasps> well, at least I can act or something. And then left <laughs> having lost this bout with King Kong. Oh. And yet... Decades later, in 2021, she on our little Instagram vindicated. poll, she gets her vengeance wow. and she defeated King Kong. Do you guys want to guess what the rate at which, like, how much she defeated him by? 80-20. Wow. Wow, that's a big that's a big one. I would say, like, 62-20, whatever that other That's not bad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. Streep is 56 Oh. Kong is 44. Oh, wow. So that's it's pretty, pretty close, tight. actually. Yeah. yeah. So that's, wait, let's see what that means. That means that's Kramer got 15 votes, Kong got 12. <gasps> so thank you for taking part, everyone. Yeah. It was really close there. There were some close ones. Scott yeah. Pilgrim vs. the World for a moment was like equal, and Scott was winning, and then it went the other way. Mm. So who knows? But congratulations to Joanna Kramer for an amazing victory. Mm. Very impressive. And I'd also like to read out a very funny response to um, our alien versus predator bout from mad dog 37, who said predator would definitely be better to bring home and would smell nicer. But I'm thinking alien would make a really good spaghetti bolognese. So it's hard. It's a hard vote might have to skip because I had said the bout, like what justifies the fight is up to you. Like who wins? Like you <laughs> said about, Who's a better fighter? Who's a better person? Is this about who's who nicer, wins your heart on a first Who wins your date? heart? Who wins your heart on a first date? And I think it's a really valid question to bring into it. And I oh. said that I think the alien's acid blood would give some like zesty spice uh, to a spag and it has bowl. two mouths, which which to make out to do a little taste test as but well. Predator has big, exploding mouth. Which yeah, which to it has make a like out. net oh, God. face thing. There you go. Wow. Mm. Yeah, lots to think about this week. Well, we'll have to do another tournament someday. Oh, geez. Thrilling. But we've done all the verse. Yeah, a tournament of something else. Another big category of film. Yeah, maybe we could fight. Yeah. A movie, uh, a bracket of like number films, like seven, seven or like. 13 ghosts. Yeah. What's that Jim Carrey movie? Uh, the number something 37 like five. or something? What number is it in that movie? The yeah, number, what is it? It's all about that number. The, is it 13? The number? No. Why don't we know this? That's, That's so, so annoying. I'm going to look that up while you guys keep thinking of number movies. Friday right the 13th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Nine and the eight and a half. Number. Mm. Yeah. 21. 23. Oh, is that the cut? <laughs> yeah. The number 23. It's the oh, number 23 God. with Jim Carrey. 21 grand. That right. would be a better. Whoa, 21 and 23. in that movie. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we should talk about the Oscars, I reckon. Probably. <gasps> should we? Cool. Okay. We order. So. Um, I reckon before we get into our thoughts on today's um, service, <laughs> we should we, <laughs> um, worship of cinema. <laughs> um, we should talk about our relationship to the Oscars. Yeah. What do you think? Because obviously, like a very complex thing, like you know, ranking essentially movies or like For sure. awarding art. Yeah, have been it's better than other art, huh? Like, especially the Academy. I think. As a family, like you, me and Meg, we never grew up being particularly obsessed with any one sport. And to be like, to get into movies and then be like, oh my God, there's kind of a big sport tournament thing for movies. Like when you learn about it and 
start watching movies meant for adults and being like, whoa, which one is the best? Which one do adults think is the best? Like it seems like such a big deal. And I think for a while you are really reverential of the Oscars, right? Totally. And you really (laughs) like, especially like when you're first getting into them, you just go like, oh, I assume these are the best films of the year. It's and always then, in the news every year. Like it's it's yeah, given a lot day. of like credence yeah. in like popular and any culture. Any movie poster, it will then say Oscar winner. Yeah, yeah. Like Street, the the blah, little blah, blah. The wreath and the numbers. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, the little sexy wreath. God, to have a wreath on the movie, truly. But it's an, I, I think there's an interesting little thing that happens where like, okay, so initially as a kid, you're like, wow, the Oscars, they must be the best films. Then there's the like, oh my God, this is all complete bullshit. Like, this is so dumb. There's so much politics to it. And then there's where I kind of like to think I'm at now, which is like, it's an interesting, it's obviously it's political and dumb, but that's what makes it so interesting is like, you look at every year, the winners, and it says something about- Yeah, for better or worse. For better or worse, it represents the industry. And, like, we know Hollywood is to a huge degree in so many different ways, like, corrupt and crap. Mm -hmm. And it means that the wins are really interesting and the losses are very telling. And I've always loved the Oscars for that. Like, I've, as a kid, would, like, you know, because usually be on when, like, when we were at school and I'd like go to the bathrooms in like yeah. classes and like watch it on my I phone and being stuff. I like, guys, this just won best sound <laughs> editing. I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Shut like up. we don't care. <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that's what it was like back in the day. Do you have an Oscars ceremony that you particularly remember? Because I absolutely do. You go first. What was it? Hugh Jackman's opening oh, number. Yeah. The in, reader. I, never I didn't saw see the, the reader. With like the huge costumes. It was really good. I think I that's like one where it got shit on enough. at the time and now people are like, no, that was good. And it was made by Dan Harmon as well. Oh, really? Yeah, how weird is that? Well, it was good. I don't know why people, like, I always yeah. remember, like, that left a good impression on me. That was good. The one that everyone mm. was always like, whoa, that's a bit cringe was Anne Hathaway and, and James, James Franco. Because yeah. he wasn't trying at all. And she and was she trying so <laughs> to overwork for, on his behalf. And it was like, fuck, all right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Who... Before we talk about today's service again, who <laughs> would you love in your dream world to host the Academy Awards? Can I say who I think you're going to say, Eliza? Okay. Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion? No, no, no. Fielder. <laughs> Nathan Fielder. Nathan Fielder. Yeah. I just think he should do everything. But yeah, absolutely. my pick is, I think it actually works really well the past couple of years just not having one presenter. But I think yeah. the Muppets should do it. That would be sick. Like oh, people have been talking about that for ages. Just saying. Oh, the like, Muppets. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That is such a good one. Yeah. yeah. I'd love Nathan Fielder. That'd be so funny. Yeah. Has, um, He'd just scare be so everyone. Cringe. Has Taika Waititi done one? He no. won Best Screenplay. Or he, best hasn't he hasn't hosted. Yeah. He hasn't hosted. I'd, I'd, I'd rate him hosting. Has it like crew yeah. person ever? Well, I guess he is in the movies, but. You mean like a director or something? Yeah, like a director. He is in an actor, I guess, but yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. That would be fun. I don't know. Do you have a someone that you want to do it? Um, the Muppets does sound pretty cool. Hey, I don't know. That would be good. I just and think Nathan Fielder. <laughs> the Muppets. I can't get over me. that since I read it somewhere on like a, maybe Nathan AD Fielder should post or something. Oscars. And I was like, damn it! Now I'm always going to be disappointed uh, that it's not him. Yeah. Yeah. Richard yeah. Owardi. Oh yeah. Has he oh, done yeah. one? He doesn't do. I have not I seen just him want, in anything for ages. Yeah. He I just, just want to make another movie. People do it really. Yeah, that's all I want. So you just don't want an American to do it. It has to be like a Kiwi, it's, like English you're like, person. Get them away from this. It's not that necessarily. <laughs> it's just like a silly person. I just want someone who's yeah. like not trying to take it seriously and just like bringing, yeah. bringing fun energy to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the more effort they put, like even last year, people liked it way more when there wasn't a host. Yeah. And it was like, yes, let's make it move along. Even today's sure. one being way 
chiller and like more relaxed. Yeah, it was, was like, nice. Stress me out. Less, having, yes. Like it's nice having the orchestra that always plays the exact same little like showbiz music oh, bits. Yeah. But it was cool having Questlove there just doing like actual recorded selections from movies and stuff. Yeah, very true. That was a nice little vibe. Very, yeah. Very something true. we were talking about Parasite just before and something that I will never get out of my head is something Bong Joon-ho was saying during like last year's whole press cycle which is ironic because he went on to win like best picture and best director and everything. But he said something about the Oscars being like a local Hollywood film festival. And it Ooh. totally is like, it really does just award Hollywood films and it's just the same studios and now the same streaming services. Like it's a very small community Inside, all patting themselves on yeah. the back. And so I think the view you have when you're little, which is like, these are the best movies in the world. These are the definitive. Mm. And it's like, it can't be. It has to be. It's so limited. Yeah, it has to be limited to mm. the this particular academy and their mates. <laughs> like, which makes it As long as you know so, that, it will be fun. <laughs> which makes it so interesting when things get awarded and you're like, no, this is being awarded because, for example, this does actually promote a change in where cinema's going. And then when there are things where you're like, ah, this is the external image for those like, you know, old, like rich white dudes to be like, ah, yes, things are getting better. We fixed racism with this movie, you know, like Mm. you can spot those like Oscar Beatty movies from a mile away. away. Like it like allows people to feel like change is happening or like this actually promotes change in any way. Um, And I think this year has got a few nominees that have the interesting combo of like, is, is this actually a difficult challenging film that's asking anything of you or does it just have the veil of that that allows people to feel important a potentially challenging issue but doesn't actually really have any commentary on it it's just like i did it's like the um the fucking when you you were doing the um mockumentary episode and you were talking about razzle dazzle and you were talking about the like dances that like try to stay something serious and like where have all the children gone or whatever (laughs) where have all the children gone that kind of deal yeah. Truly, the Oscars is just one big where all the children are gone. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Is that what it's called? I always get the name of it wrong. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but what we were thinking of doing is just going through some of the biggest categories. We're not going to be touching into like what sound mm. editing. How typical. We're just going to shove aside all the We love you all. Thank you all, your wonderful little production people, but we don't actually have the understanding of what you do enough to... Anthony's like crying. And he's like, hey, I don't know about cameras. I know about sound, but <laughs> only a little bit. But yeah. also they're not as... I mean, I still have stuff to say about some of them, but they're not as yeah. politicised or publicised in this Absolutely. same way. Absolutely. Where there are get, categories yeah. where like... They don't have PR. Absolutely. And like what wins or doesn't is like very telling. Um, so what we're going to do is go through the categories, talk about what we wanted to win, what did win, and kind of just like what we thought would win as well. Like did the thing we thought would win, win actually win? And then like what should have won kind of. Mm. So yeah, what do you reckon we start with, Liz? I think let's kick it off with, do you want to just jump right into best picture and best director and shit? Yeah. Let's, let's do, do picture. Best picture. Yeah, let's do best picture. So what did you think was going to win? Not necessarily what you wanted to win, but what did you think would win? I feel like Nomadland was going to win. Me too. Yeah. And I it is like what won. So we can just talk about it. No, so Nomadland won today and it kind of seemed like that was going to be what it was going to be for a while. Um what do you think of Nomadland? What do you think of it as a winner and as a reflection of this yeah. year? I think it's an interesting one for that this topic. This is hey. almost exactly what you're talking about, where I think 
because it is a gentle and observational film and some of its critics have said nothing happens in this movie or whatever, mm. which is a phenomenon we've talked about a lot on this podcast, mm. um, I think just on the surface it could be a way for elitist, insanely rich Oscars voters to feel good about promoting a film like this. Absolutely. Where it's the, I think what's great about the movie is it's non-judgmental stance where it is about an Amazon worker who has to shit and piss in a bucket to get around, which is something that has been very discussed this year about Amazon's waged workers and their rights and, like, mm. I guess just how how do Americans live and how are they taken care of? And I think it's a by, by nominating this movie and its director, the first woman of colour to ever be nominated for Best Director, oh, my God, <laughs> like... To tick that box, I think that is sort of I, I can see some like cynical Academy members just thinking, well, I've done my duty in a way. <laughs> like Absolutely, now this is yeah. something we're not gonna get harassed about anymore. Totally. Um But that's also being very pessimistic. Like it is also like a movie that champions people living on the margins of society in a real way and does like invest in them and really center them. I guess it can be both. Like yeah, it, of it can be that vehicle for people like self-congratulating and well, it always, that sort of thing, but it can also begin a trend of that becoming less cynical and like mm. more genuinely well, it always, driven. It always kind of happens with like a thing that gets the top honor is like, especially if it's not the one that maybe people would say actually promotes or has something difficult to say is like, it isn't a bad film. Like it's clearly a great film. It's more so just that like, it's very precise in how it's can appear like a difficult watch or like a very yeah. probing watch, but actually it lets you off pretty easily. Like I, I love the film. And I also think uh, the idea of like in a year where everyone's been inside and like very cramped mm. up to have this film that's all about like gorgeous vistas and like wide open spaces. It's gorgeous. But to me, my first watch, well, my only watch was adoring the first 20 minutes and being like, oh, it's a story about like people trying to heal from capitalism, like the side of America of people, real people, like these are actual people who live this way, being like, uh, essentially the American dream and the lie of that took everything from me and I've, uh, this is my attempt at like finding peace inside this like broken place. But then the rest of the movie like loses me quite quickly because it follows Frances McDormand who's infinitely, her character is like her journey is infinitely less interesting to me than these other people mm. who like actually are living this. Uh, and are like real people. And then I, I think it actually doesn't like, I, I feel like it doesn't attack that issue necessarily with much grit or like much criticism. Um, in ultimately, I just, I think, yeah, in the very topic we've like, we've said it raises things, but then I left it and didn't really think about Mm. Many, I didn't have any like difficult questions about capitalism or the state of it because of that film necessarily. So yeah. I definitely think it has the air of like an Academy picking a film that's like, yes, we're making important films about this topic. But that also like, kind of um, lets them off the hook. Yeah, exactly. Rich people. Yeah, <laughs> rich Americans exactly. It's like, look, yes, we awarded this thing that talks about this problem. Mm. And it's like, it kind of just mentions it up top and then it it's, doesn't really. Another movie, another nominee that I really loved. And that also has been read a lot as 
um, a film about the American dream mm. was Minari. This is what I, I was would about love to say. Watch, yeah. Which is like, the, I, is that actually the one not, we all wanted? I'll have to not win? seen like most of the movies mm. that you all talk about tonight, but like the first 20 minutes of Nomadland that you were talking about mm. sounded exactly like that to me, but it was actually the whole movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we should talk I about Minari. Yeah. I was going to say, like, Minari has more of a story like it or it Mm. has those narrative like peaks and troughs and like you get a sense that something is going to happen and it does and like even though it's not a blockbuster or like a tightly structured movie by any means it feels a lot more narrative than Nomadland and so do Chloe Zhao's other movies like her second movie I loved like it was my favorite movie of the year it came out Mm. and her first movie songs my brother taught me as well has even though it's all using non-actors it does have you can tell like there was some kind of script or you know somewhere where the story is going to end and invented obstacles and stuff and I feel like almost having even though Nomadland's based on a book I feel like having Frances McDormand at the center it did revolve around her more than Making, well, exactly. Like yeah. the big criticism of Nomad Land being like you're telling a story about a fundamentally like American, like lower class American problem, and we're following this like actress around the country at the center of it. And it's like it doesn't necessarily feel like your story needs that. Mm-hmm. Um, Minari is such a gorgeous film. What kind of like really stood out to me, and it, it's the film that I would have loved to have won, is. Um, as a story about like the true American dream, it is definitely like it, it it picks the more difficult narrative angle to say about what this would be for this family trying mm. to start a farm in that sense, in the way that like, I don't know, I, I think as I've grown up a bit more now, like it sticks out to me a lot more in movies when stories are based around like male hubris or men that are concerned with their legacy. And it's really frustrating in movies And I'm because I'm like the, the problem at the centre of this movie mm. fundamentally just is not a problem that women are allowed to ask themselves. Like this problem only exists for men. Or the thing of being like, will it pay off? And it's like, it doesn't matter. He's doing the wrong thing. Exactly. Like, we know that. We don't question that. Because like almost like it's such an huge um like championing film for representation just in the sense of being like because we see and understand the struggles of this family and like we understand that they are facing problems due to their heritage and race that like other people would not face at all it means that Stephen Ewan's character's like ambition to be like I am not going to do like shitty fucking jobs, like picking. What is he doing with like looking chicks, at chicken butts, chicken like butts, sexing them <laughs> and texting them? I'm not going to do that for the rest of my life. I'm going to build something for my family. It was literally. I was sitting there being like, oh, because of that, I can watch a story about a man being like, I'm trying to build something for my family and fully invest and empathize because I'm like, you know what? You are being dealt a really hard card. Like you're trying to build something for your family. You want your kids to look up to you mm. and like look up to you with respect and love and be like, my father built something for us. And that problem at the center of it really stands on its own two feet. And I don't know about you guys, but I said the most gorgeous audience experience of like little moments would happen. And then people a few rows back would be like, Oh my God, that like, yeah. how many might like, um, when the grandma brings the spices over that with her so in the suitcase funny. and the audience are always people are like, Oh my God, that, that like, Oh, that's spice, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, that, <laughs> what a magical experience to be able to have that. Like yeah. that was so incredible to be able to be in the audience for that. You know, mm. all those people reacting in that way. I love that film. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hugely enjoyed it. 
It yeah. was, yeah, I've not seen many films this year actually, but um, yeah, it's like the one that stands out to me of mm. anything that I've seen. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, it was just like like the gentleness of the way that it was told or something. Like you made a comment before about it feeling sort of like more loosely structured than something like Nomadland. But I think that... I think there's um, a meditative quality to both of them, but Nomadlands feels like that. it almost rests on that, whereas Minari, Minari mm. is still feels... It's like a tonal... Well, I, yeah. I don't know. It is for both of them. Like, they're both great. Mm. I feel bad pitting them against each other. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very But true. also, like, we're not going to delve into score that much, but Minari had my favourite score of the year. Mm. Did it rate for you, Anthony? Yeah, absolutely. It was incredible. Um, yeah, beautiful, like textural choices mm. and stuff which I really I really appreciate mm. um, I feel like that's a bit of a trend over the last couple of years that's sort oh, of really? taking off at the moment of like instrumentation jumping more and more to the sides um, mm. like doing relatively typical like patterns and that sort of stuff like your classic like ostinatos and those sorts of things that happen oh, yeah, that like you know, create like a stable right, atmosphere. Oh yeah, classic. you know, in like you know, like Hans Zimmer <laughs> oh, stuff yeah. and those sorts of oh, yeah, things. Yeah, you're like do yeah. do 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 do, which is okay. like behind mm. everything when it's like mm. yeah. interscene um, interstitial stuff. But um, doing that with like really weird sounds and things. Like yeah, that, I found the like opening was gorgeous. Or something, like, or mm. That was sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, so true. Really liked it. Ah. Um. I also just want to mention, because I don't, unfortunately, there probably won't be another time to mention it in our discussion of these movies, these nominees, a nominee that I feel like no one really is talking about much or like hasn't had that much of an impact on people. That's my second, like my runner up for best picture was um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Which I adored for exactly the reasons we talked about in being like, I think that is a film that is like, has quite difficult things to say about revolution and like the nature of the story it's telling is, as we've said a lot, like biopics can be a very dry thing. And as well as, taking the very correct approach of like picking an extremely momentous moment in the life of Fred Hampton. I also think it is really difficult. It's like a really incredible critique of revolution and about like, you know, Fred Hampton, like almost becoming a dad and the idea being like, you are committing your life to a cause that means you won't be able to fulfill your responsibilities as my, like the love of my life, as well as Lakeith Stanfield being Oh, he like killed me in that movie. Mm. So incredible. Just the sentiment of someone, you know, the idea of being like all oppressed people reacting to their trauma in different ways and him being trying to survive day to day and what he's doing to do that and him coming around to the idea of revolution and then almost feeling like let down by it. Like there's that incredible bit where he's like, okay, let's go. Let's go like bomb the capital. Let's do it. And they're like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And he's like, well, we talk about revolution all the time. It's time. Let's do it now. Mm. And just that idea of him being like, well, revolution is robbed. Like it gave me the fire to be like, maybe the oppression of black people is not something like maybe our time is now. And then he almost does what he does as this Judas figure mm. because he's like, I can't, I'm not going to, like, you are just waiting around. Like, you're sitting in inaction and you always will, almost. Mm. Uh chilling. I really I love think, that movie. Yeah, it that movie was awesome. And, like, it does still kind of bum me out that, like, all of the, all of the um, biopics and films based on like really topical social issues that made it into the slate of best picture this year. They're all period films. 
it's something that mm. I'm going to link to a really good article from Rough Cut that my friend Tansy Gardam wrote, where she was just saying, how come the movies that the Oscars celebrates that are about, that have some kind of social message, they're always set in the 60s or Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or even Minari, which we clearly love. Mm. Like, why can't there be movies about people today dealing with this shit. Because it's like, too scary. It's yeah, like th- I think, there are choices you could be making right now. Yeah. That- Does it absolve mm. the, acod- the economy of their, like, autonomy in these issues because they're like, mm. well, if we were there in the 60s, we would have done something. It's like, you were there, you fucking old uh, bastards. <laughs> like, yeah. what were you but, doing? But, yeah, the thing I loved more about Judas and the Black Messiah is – because, you know, people are always like, oh, what a timely film to so many movies. And I'm like, uh, really? Does that movie really make you leave and be like, oh, maybe I'm not making the right choices today? Mm. And I think Trials Judas and the Black Messiah, well. 100%. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> Jeez, sorry. I'm like, boom, that just took me into a bad <laughs> place. Um, uh, but Judas and the Black Messiah, to me, truly, like, I, I, I 100% agree that any version of a period piece to a degree absolves the audience of responsibility because it makes you be like, I would have been on the right thank side. Thank goodness then. there's none of that now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the green book predicament. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just wanted to point out that Judas and the Black Messiah is like a truly um, difficult watch. And I think it's very much worth everyone's time. Shall we Woo. move on? Huge. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Chloe Zhao for Zhao for um, Best Director. Yeah. In what? This is the 93rd Academy Awards. Crazy. The 93rd. And she is the second, that's two, second woman to ever win Best Director and the first woman of colour. Crazy. So incredible. <laughs> absolutely Incredible baffling that it of course and her next movie is marvels the eternals Eternals. i can't wait yes strap yourselves in boys yay (laughs) (laughs) wow um yeah uh i don't know well i i thought she would win and i think it's good that she did because obviously that stat is terrifying and it's so incredible that a woman of color who's as talented as chloe Zhao wins it that's amazing um do you feel like as you said you've seen her other work Liz, mm. do you feel like you preferred her work in those other films or something? Yeah, definitely. I think her last movie, The Rider, I think was a lot stronger. Um, even in, I think like there's been sort of this weird patronizing response to Chloe Zhao where it's like she's almost seen as more of like a curator or a documentarian rather than someone who is creative and is a director mm. because it's like, oh, she spends a lot of time in these communities and meets like non-actors and sort of weaves them into the story. a fictional story. Yeah. But like you couldn't, you couldn't accuse her of that after having watched Nomadland or The Rider, where mm-hmm. it's like, they're like, why downplay that achievement of finding an existing thing and making it into an entertaining movie that everyone loves and that it's yeah. what like almost yeah. every movie is yeah, is like, like taking a thing that people real, know real, and being like, but what if it was <laughs> also this? Yeah, and then yeah. Like, the nature playing of it out literally. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's, like, an annoying thing that was talked about in last year's Oscars as well where it was, like, Greta Gerwig and the women directors, they they listen and they, like, take in real things and, like, make it nice and the men have a vision and they create it. And it's, like, well, there's got to be some middle ground. Mm. <laughs> and, like, well, yeah. if anything, if anything, this is in no way a criticism of Chloe but of the Academy and, like, the nature of the two women directors that they have celebrated. Mm. Um, 
is I'm waiting for a woman to get best director for a film and a directorial style that feels like it has identified, like specifically like feminine qualities to the stories it's telling. Like The Hurt Locker especially and Catherine Bigelow's filmmaking is something where I go like, a great film and very well directed, but like the thing we, we do in exactly the way you just said, where like we say with a female director, like, Oh yeah, there's like a real, um, like empathy and understanding of the people mm. behind the lens. And then men have a vision. She's like, such a conduit. When do we, you know, like, when do we celebrate? Yeah. Why can we not celebrate women for telling like an empathetic story? Like, why is it that a best picture winner is always this big, ballistic thing because even yeah. Nomadland even though it's like a quieter film and even though it does centre a female character I would say that the quality of that exact thing of being like that there's like I do think it's present in Nomadland but I, I, I again go like the things that we would usually celebrate a director for are not like an empathy and like true understanding for all the characters as human beings in them as much as like grand vision or something or like yeah I'm more like ballistic sensibility you know mm-hmm. I don't know I kind of feel that every year with the best director that I'm like what the hell that's why like a girl we doesn't even get a nomination for little women or whatever right yeah she no yeah. she didn't yeah last yeah. year there were no female best directors yeah something that exactly. I jotted down today while we were while I was watching the Oscars was every year there's always like there's certain slots that like movies will fall into. And Mm. I kind of can't figure out what Nomadland is. Like I don't, I don't feel like a movie like that has sort of won lately. I don't know. It does feel unique and like fresh in a nice way. Well, it definitely had is the film that happens every year where like every year there's a film that gets huge, like really great reviews and everyone really loves and is at the festival circuits, and then once the general population can see it, they're like, oh. Not for me. I don't really agree as much. Or gets, like, a late backlash, which then kind of taints the film's view forever. The kind of thing that happens to, like, La La Land, which is, like, it's a great film, mm. but, like, people always kind of associate it with being the one that almost took it away from Moonlight. And, like, that, was hap- that wasn't just what happened at the ceremony itself like that yeah. happened in the lead up to the it as well yeah, of people, of people being saying like, watch la la land win everything and moonlight will yeah and be like Ugh. and it's like all very true criticisms but it's not like a crap film mm. at all or anything you know but nomadland um yeah i don't know i think it really felt like the one this year that people well a, a classic example of that elitism of people being like oh, Nomadland is the one to watch this year. An incredible, in, like, discussion of uh, the breakdown of of yeah. capitalism and all these things. And it's like, yeah, the people that that might actually speak to can't yeah. even see the movie Absolutely. because it's only available at festivals for the rich fucking critics who yeah. pay, or like get paid to go see it. promising young woman winning a BAFTA before it even was released in the UK. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> like, these clearly don't represent, like, they don't pretend to be representing what viewers care about. By the, stuff. Yeah, the audience. It's the what only, they want to pat themselves on the back yeah, for. Yeah, one of the only good Oscar skits I remember in recent years, I think it was the year of Moonlight and La La Land, was when, like, Jimmy Kimmel went out to, like, a cinema in Inglewood and, like, 
he was at a screening of like a Avengers movie or something. And as people came out, he'd be like, what do you think of like her and stuff? And they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what are these movies? And they'd be like, do you think Moonlight is too like heavy handed in its depiction of blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, what's Moonlight? Like, what are you on about? And it's like, people don't care about these movies. Literally. Like, most moviegoers. It's so not insular. Shit. It's a little bubble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you want to hear my other categories that show up at every Oscars? Yeah, let's okay. do it. That's such a good idea. So there's always the obvious industry movie. Um, which Mank, this year is Mank. Year? Also La La Land, The Artist, which won in its year. Birdman, kind of. There's yeah. a recent category which has come out in the last like five years or so, which is like the Netflix movie that like is good but doesn't have a chance, like Marriage Story, The Irishman, mm. um, Trial of the Chicago 7, which didn't love. But And this year it should have been To Five Bloods, which was yeah. in my top yeah, three Netflix of the year. Yeah, Netflix is so weird. They put, and Delroy they Lindo the not getting one. a best Delroy Lindo not That's getting weird. <gasps> infuriating. My favourite yeah. performance of last year. Damn. I love To Five Bloods as well. And there's know. always like an either British or like European movie that has really good actors but it's like a really quiet chamber drama and it's just set in like a room or a hotel and you're like, wow, how did this, like <laughs> this will right, never win, but okay. like very random. And it's pretty good, but you're like, this is definitely like a But it's like the one that everyone's movie. always like, yeah, it's, it's it's a Sunday, like four o'clock showing movie. Yes. And then everyone's like, yeah, no, good movie, like really good movie. Yeah, but like no one Philomena feels passionately is the one that I think of. But also this year it's The Father. Is Philomena, that one, the which father. is a good Wait, movie. What are other ones? That's such a good one. I'm trying to think. Um, well, King's Speech has that vibe, but then it fucking then won. Then it won. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then... A category that's very just me is a movie that everyone loves and I hate it and its tone really gets on my nerves. And Promising it's like, Young Woman. Yeah, Promising Young Woman, Jojo Rabbit and Three Billboards outside I Ebbing, Missouri. I those two films. Yeah, I like Promising Young Woman. It's always like the challenging movie that has heaps of discussion around it, which I love, but I feel like a Grinch being like, but I hated it. <laughs> but also the discussion that people, because it's true that like a spirited discussion is always like great and means people are talking about a movie and like, you know, interesting things being talked mm. about. I just said the same version of the same sentence three times. <laughs> but um, usually the discussion isn't necessarily like the topics the film is bringing up need dissecting. It's more so people being like... If you mm. criticise it, people are like, oh, so you're a Nazi? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, no. like the actual discussion isn't necessarily about the content of the film. It's being like, that film women? was trash and obvious. <laughs> and then other people are like, no, but it was actually about difficult topics that you aren't ready to talk about. And it's like, ah, okay. I understand. Yeah, we'll talk about Promising Young Woman when we talk about It's about something that was play. a really difficult topic 30 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Should we talk about, do we, do we have a Promising Young Woman chat with original screenplay? I don't have that much more to, to, more to say about it. We haven't really? said it on the podcast yet. Have we? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I don't want to be a negative Nancy, <laughs> a negative Nancy either. I think the, well, we'll just, I guess why do I have a movie criticism podcast <laughs> yeah. if I'm not going to be negative, negative Nancy on our little Oscars uh, special? Yeah. Well, Emerald Fennell got best original screenplay yeah. for Promising Young Woman. Which, the second woman to do so in like 13 years or something, which is pretty wild. There like, it is. Really? Damn. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a very divisive film uh, for lots of different reasons. I really liked it. Um mm. And I've had so – it's the movie I've talked about of these nominees the most by yeah. far. I talked to so many people about this movie. Um, I think it – as a hor- as horror fans, do you yeah. feel like it was uh, – it, it didn't go far enough or that it kind of in the end mm. felt a bit too tentative with the things it was, it was talking about? And then there's a discussion on the end to have – yeah. That is obviously the main talking point. Maybe we shouldn't spoil the end, but, yeah, I think because we've mm-hmm. both watched 
um, rape revenge films as well. Mm. Like that is a genre that's really been reassessed in the past 10 to 20 years. Mm. Um, And the fact that like a film that's kind of in that genre was getting such a huge release and was being sold as like a mainstream film and got nominated for Best Picture, like I just feel like it's a big contradiction. I feel like can you make a movie that really assesses those that very, very weighty topic in such a robust way and that has this like crowd-pleasing response of people being like, yes, yes, queen. I definitely think it does the exact thing of, I actually think uh, as, a, as a guy, I've had interesting chats with other men being like, oh, I saw it with a group of dudes. And then they all immediately were like, oh, wow, yeah, imagine being like one of those guys. And no. that immediately opens up the interesting discussion of like this movie allows people to to a degree distance themselves from the issue and be like, yes, I know all of these things. It's been criticized for being very like white feminist, like hashtag. It kind of just feels like a movie built around Mm. like Twitter feminism and like characters kind of not speaking like characters, but speaking like, which isn't a problem. Like that can be amazing in in a great script. Yeah. Very true. I guess. Are we not going to talk about the ending? Yeah, you might not go for it. Spoiler I reckon we should. The ending of I think Promising this will be the one chat we'll have about Promising Young Woman, right, and you right, never right, have to talk about it ever again. Okay. But I think the people should know. I doubt it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do as well, actually. Essentially, spoiler, 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 the movie ends with the lead character, Carrie Nina? Mulligan's character, Nina. Wait, is her name Nina? I think so. No, her friend's name is Nina. I don't know. Is she named Cassie? I, I couldn't Whatever. tell you. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. Being killed. And getting her revenge from beyond Beyond the the grave grave. to a degree with like, you know, she's had like pre-made text messages ready to send the police and stuff. There are multiple criticisms of this, a lot of which are extremely valid, but a lot of which I think leave out a point, which is frustrating to me. I find it really just frustrating in discussions of this ending when people act like the movie just killed her off to have a cool revenge beyond the grave ending, implying that the end, it is reckless to a degree, but I don't think as deeply as people say. The part that is reckless is because movies need to be marketed to people. This movie was marketed to women as, and to to a large degree, like Emerald Fennell would know, you're going to have sexual assault survivors and victims coming to see your movie looking for an empowering Mm. story about a woman getting back her power to some degree. And then she's- It being a revenge story. Or being a revenge story and her being, but then she is graphically choked on, suffocated on screen in a two minute long shot that just sits there. I feel like that's more a marketing, and obviously I'm speaking as someone outside of that problem, like, and as a dude, like, I obviously do not know the experience of that, of, you know, that fear itself in any way. But, like, problems like triggers and people having triggers and things like that, I don't know if that's necessarily a fault of the film itself because people, Twitter is full of people essentially expressing that that, is just completely reckless and more so that doesn't have anything to say. And if anything, I think what I took away from the film as a guy and having seen it with a lot of guys that I'm like, that is a point to men that is very challenging is 
dudes will always make the same choice. It's a movie full of men constantly every 20 seconds being like, we were kids back then. Like we didn't mean to do it. Like we've grown up, you know, like we were only children then. And then the movie's final statement that it wants you to walk home with is men are always going to make the same choice until they start taking accountability and reckoning with what they've done. And I think that is like a potent thing to be saying. Is it the right statement to be saying to the demographic you've invited to the audience very questionable. And also the one that's absolutely like, yeah, what the fuck? That's so inconsistent with the rest of the story you've told is she gets her vengeance by calling the cops. And the whole movie yeah, has like been going about through another corrupt system. The whole movie's been about how the justice system is flawed and doesn't serve justice. And then your movie ends with being like, Yay, the cops are here. And They'll that completely me and these guys will be punished. <laughs> that disregards the whole movie you've just made, yes. But I do think it's a very like powerful statement to be making to be like dudes are always going to make the same fucking choice, which also rings true to how great the setup of Bo Burnham as like the romantic subplot, the romantic dude that you're like, well, he's a knight. He's one of the good guys. And then him making the same choice as everyone else that I think has left a lot of interesting discussion to be had in the last few months. Clearly I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) What do we think? It's in, yeah. What it's did you think? Hearing, I, don't, I feel like I don't disagree with what you have to say that much, I guess. I just feel like for this to win best original screenplay of the year, I think my problems with the movie are its script. Like all yeah. the scenes of her confronting a guy, her, her method or her MO or whatever is that she pretends to be drunk to lure a guy um, to force himself upon her and then reveals she's not drunk. And they're embarrassed and she's like, yeah, that's right. Women know that you're bad. And then she leaves. (laughs) And I think you're meant to, it's implied that there are some men that she does worse things to, like she might hurt them or even kill them or whatever. But you don't see that on screen. You only see her die (laughs) Mm. very lengthily and very painfully at the end of the movie. And before then, her character is just like this flawless angel of vengeance who ends every like confrontation with like yeah think about that and like it could just be like as she like walks out it never feels like she's being forced to make choices or like difficult it just feels like she's every, always it's right all on like the most perfect track people in We're such on, like, a this track and it's gonna keep going no matter what way yeah that's that true. i don't think would cow any sexual abuser they would just be like shut the fuck up or they're like that wouldn't that does not stop rapists like we know that that like Mm. just awareness is not enough and I think to me the ending of being like oh my god her death ultimately was a cool girl boss move because Mm. the bad guys will get punished just wasn't enough like yeah that's not what I come to a rape revenge film for or a purportedly feminist film for and I didn't appreciate that the movie assembled a terrific cast, an amazing supporting cast with Laverne Cox, with fucking Clancy Brown. Alfred Molina. Jennifer Coolidge, who I love. And all they did was go, oh, don't be a girl boss. And she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a girl boss. And then the movie <laughs> ended and they're like, well, she died, but she was right and that's what matters. And, like, mm. I just found it very unsatisfying. And mm. just like the two other movies in my shit list Oscars category, <laughs> Jojo Rabbit and Three Billboards, its humour completely didn't work for me at all. And I think it's one of those things where they went for black comedy and drama and the drama made the jokes unfunny and the comedy made undermine the drama. I'm like, y'all mm. should have just 
either tried to make a really good rape revenge film with Carey Mulligan and had her character be show a little bit more shade and not have her just do the most epic le un thing at every point <laughs> or should have gone full satire and really lent into that shocking ending, which did move me. I was like, whoa, she dies? Oh, my God. But, like, just that it was, like, this cool moment that played such an old song, like Angel of the Morning, that's been used in, like, five other movies already. Like, if this movie had come out in 2012, I probably would have ate it up and, like, reposted all of its like scenes on tumblr and stuff but yeah. i just feel like it's come a bit too late and yeah just as a whole it just did not gel for me and i definitely think it is the oscar problem we have listed so many times of a thing that allows people to feel like they are addressing a problem whilst not necessarily actually yeah. especially in a year where the assistant yeah. came out, which is specifically was, about yeah. Me Too That's and the rape ac- culture in Hollywood. That would literally be Hollywood. And it got actually... dust. The Academy was like, huh, what? Who's that? What? <laughs> like, what actual systemic problems? And actually recognizing that nothing's being done and that yeah. there isn't any like fun girl boss moment at the end. Yeah. Like, that this actually is just about like the indecision of no one wanting to do the right thing. Mm. What? No, no way. <laughs> You should oh, watch, it's on boy. Amazon Prime. Everyone should watch it. I feel like we've been talking <laughs> about movies I don't particularly like for ages. We need to move on to good things. Into, Shall well, we, well, wait, should we just, just run down quickly, the Just say the word. What is the original screenplay that you would have wanted to win out what of is? that? Sound of Metal, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Trial of Chicago 7. Maybe Judas and the Black Messiah. Me too. I mean, it's using historical writings and speeches and stuff, but in such an electrifying way. Like, I mean, you can't, I guess it's hard to separate from the performances, but... I will yeah. shut up about Judas and Black Messiah. I'm going to mention <laughs> one scene in it that is so well written. So you know how Jesse Plemons, record, like um, he's like an FBI agent, and the thing he explains to Lakeith Stanfield to try to make him do, be this like Judas, this like, you know, guy on the Trade inside on. is like the Black Panthers are the flip side of the Ku Klux Klan. Like the other day they killed... The Black Panthers, they brutally killed um, a member of their own party who, what had he done? Was he, oh, um, there was another member on the inside that was an insider as well. Mm-hmm. And they brutally killed him. And that is like his Stanfield's like moment of being like, oh, he's right. Like they're just the flip side of the Ku Klux Klan. They're the same thing. And then Jesse Plemons later finds out. Like, oh, no, the guy that they killed actually wasn't the the insider. That was, an, like, one of our guys killed him. Mm. So, like, they've literally been using, like, and everything. And the audience, you sort of fall for it too and are like, well, I can see why, like, he's doing that. And then yeah, like, oh, it's two buddy. sides of this and it's all just, like, the government playing them. Oh, it's I've, uh, I adore that film. Let's do actors. Whew. What do we want? Where do you want to start, so who- kiddo? Do we want to do supporting and build up? I mean, supporting were no surprise, right? Yeah. And they were awesome. Supporting actress yeah. was, um, I have to, I wrote down how to pronounce her name correctly. Ye, Ye Zhang Yun for Minari, which was yeah. an awesome performance. First I think Korean... I liked Maria Bakalova better in Borat. I sort of wish she'd won. <laughs> Just for having a harder job to do of having to act in real society and have one take to do so many of those crazy scenes. Well, this opens the acting discussion ah, of yeah. do you give legacy Oscars? Do you give awards for being like this person's probably never going to win another Oscar? We want to recognise them now. Do you give it for the role at the time? But that being said, Maria Bakalova is probably not 
gonna well oh, i wonder well is, is she no just because she's not an american actress isn't she yeah so i'm like well hopefully she makes more films here because looking at that list you're probably right it's the standout performance like, have you heard about the whole casting process for yeah, that film? that she didn't know what it was going to be and her parents thought she was getting sex trafficked. Literally, <laughs> and that, like, they essentially to to audition for that, they had to, like, do lots of real-life scenario things just in the audition process with Sasha Baron Cohen. Literally, it's like they found another little Sasha Baron Cohen and she is <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Like, because you also think in the film she's just going to, like, be playing, not catch up a lot, but that, like, she'll let, Sasha Baron Cohen take the lead a lot, but mm. she like is as so that character that she is offering just as much. Like she's playing just mm. as much. But then Incredible. am I just saying like the person that did the most acting or did the hardest job should win? Because, you know, I'm I'm not, I can't say grandma in Minari was not as amazing. Like it's de- we just have to judge on the performance that comes out in the finished film. But right? we love Minari, and that's like one of the most beautiful elements of that film is like this little gorgeous little boy falling in love with his Smelly his grandma, grandma and being like you're not a normal grandma like you're not like other grandmas and her just being incredible and her speech was so funny as well cute, today yeah. it was very very cute i i would if either of them had won i would have been happy because i love both those performances yeah yeah and daniel kaluuya we're very happy with kaluuya him. that's awesome even though is that even a supporting performance literally that was weird <laughs> well that's when supporting gets really weird when they start doing that um and lakeith in that film as well. Um, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya is probably better than, not better than Lakeith, but I think, like, it's a much more difficult task in that I definitely film. preferred his performance. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, not what was the, the supporting actress performance? Who was the supporting um, Fred Hampton's uh, partner? Yeah, Dominique film? Fishback. She was oh, amazing as well. Incredible in that film. Yeah. yeah, I love that performance as well. Um, best then- actress... Best actress, that was like the wacky category where like it was. everyone except Vanessa Kirby had very good odds of winning because they yeah. all won different like BAFTAs and it was SAG a very even. I probably stuff. didn't think it was going to be Frances McDormand. Yeah. Both actress and actor, I, I'd picked the wrong horse, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> um, I'm happy yeah. with um, I don't mind Frances McDormand winning, but after what we've said about Nomad Land, where it's almost like she could function as a distraction of sorts absolutely yeah, yeah and maybe like, it did seem well like- i did when i think about nomadland her character not about her performance but her character was not the most interesting part of that movie to me it was mm. um the people like the communities yeah. that they were visiting and like this lifestyle of living mm. um if anything i was waiting for her character to reveal more of a frustration at her, again, this isn't Frances McDormand, but like that her character would reveal more frustration at her circumstances or that like this is the way she had to live her life. You know what I mean? Like her mm. character is bottled up. Tempered, her yeah. character is bottled up the whole movie and tempered and then that's never actually released. Mm. She just lives like that, which is a choice. Um, but, yeah, it just doesn't necessarily do much for me. And then... Um, <laughs> Your favorite, I think this will Harry def- Mulligan oh, in Promising yeah. Woman. No, but, <laughs> but she no. was tremendous. She was really, she was good really actress, great. Yeah. yeah, and again, like that idea of, as you said, it's not very realistic that this woman will just always have like the final word in like this and be so tempered. But I think Carrie Mulligan sells it pretty well. This idea of someone so steadfast in their own logic that, like, no matter what's, I really enjoyed watching her yeah. never explode and just the idea that like everything some dickhead dude would say to her, you'd see all the things she could be saying that she's choosing not to say was pretty cool to watch. Mm. Um, yeah. But 
I don't know, a tricky category this year where no one really jumps out to me. Best actor is like what this year's Oscar. Defining moment of it. <laughs> For sure. Kick it. Tell, like, tell the folks. Just the fact that everything was pretty predictable. Like like we've said, most of our guesses were pretty, pretty obvious. Right. And I feel like Chadwick Boseman's death in August of last year meant that there was suddenly all this Oscar conversation around his role in the Netflix movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which... Mm. Full disclosure, I have not seen this film. I haven't either. Yeah, that's bad. We should have watched it. We're going to talk about it. But then I feel like The Father starring Sir Anthony Hopkins, making him the oldest Oscar nominee for Best Actor ever at age 83, that that only came out a few months ago. And I think the fact that people saw it recently was meaning The Father was starting to creep Oh, you think it was in people's... people were starting... Yeah, it was. Like, was was Yoshan like Young, isn't she older than 83? How old is she? I'm not sure. Well, I'll look it up. I don't know. So who? Uh, the grandma for, for Minari. Minari uh, for her. Oh, wedding. but she's oh, she's 73. Pardon me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive us. Ten years younger. <laughs> yeah, us. and no, like if you looked on betting websites, like Anthony Hopkins odds were getting better, but Chadwick Boseman still was clearly so outlined to be the winner that the Oscars changed. They were back in the it. order of the ceremony. They announced Best Picture which is traditionally kept to last, then best actress, then best actor. Clearly which, <laughs> intending to leave the audience with a, a beautiful note. tribute of Chadwick Boseman getting best actor to the extent that they'd invite, like his family was like oh, in man. the first few rows. And then <laughs> that meant that, you know, when Anthony Hopkins was announced as the winner of best actor and wasn't there in person, the ceremony ended insanely abruptly. It was with like, the okay, presenter, bye. Joaquin Phoenix, just saying the winner is Anthony Hopkins. Is he not, and he's not here, so uh, yeah, get out and fight. And it ended like that abruptly. Like I looked away and was waiting for if whoever's gone to the bathroom. Speech. He it'd didn't be even over. get like Olivia Coleman to say a little thanks or didn't you know do any like speech on his behalf. <laughs> it, that was it. He might still be napping and have no idea he won. Literally, he's gonna wake up. Everyone's like, yeah, he's gonna wake up to his manager being like, oh my god, go into your Zoom. What the hell? <laughs> And then to, like, add a little bit more salt in the wound or, like, you know, a lot of people won't see it this way, um, part of the gift bag, gift bag given yeah. to Oscar nominees this year was a non-fungible token, an NFT of Chadwick Boseman's gold face spinning around on, like, a cool background. Whoa. So Oscar nominees are almost profiting off his death without giving him an Oscar. That's, like, that, that part's truly in poor taste, right? I think I've seen some different opinions of it, of people being like, but it's raising money for colon cancer fund, but it's only raised 50% of its um, funds raised are going to colon cancer and the other half are undisclosed where they're going. I wonder how Chadwick himself would feel about that. I know. Um, Yeah. And, again, I haven't haven't seen the film itself. I actually thought the more stunning one that I thought he'd get a supporting actor nom for Mm. was... To five bloods, the five especially bloods right there. and especially the nature of what that role was of him but, playing a messiah figure who's passed but has this yeah. influence on the lives of the people he's touched. For that. It would have been best supporting. It would have been best supporting. It's, it's like a cameo. Yeah, exactly. Role. But oh gosh, yeah, what an incredible actor. So sad. Um, I thought the acting category this year was really strong. I feel like usually with the acting categories, I don't have, have I don't have as much to say, but. I, like I would have been really happy for Riz to get it as well. I would have been very happy for Stephen Ewan to get it. Would we have been happy for Gary Oldman to get it? I don't think so. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah. He's but, got his. He's fine. <laughs> but 
that would have been Anthony Hopkins truly was wild. amazing in The Father. Like it was, it was really great. I don't feel mad. A that good category won. this year. It's more that yeah, they built it up that Chadwick would win to the point of changing how they've done changing the ceremony the order. for all time. Oh, it's horrible. It how really wild. is. Yeah. Should we wrap this up by saying should there be Oscars? <laughs> in the should future? the Oscars should, exist? Should they continue? Well. God, that's just a huge old question to ask (laughs) because I, again, endlessly find it so interesting to see what politically that says. Like even with, like with Parasite winning last year, you had all these people being like, but then doesn't that just mean that this is now like a world film Mm. academy? And it's like, well, it could be it. Like if you committed to it being that, if you are awarding the best films of every year. Yeah. Because the more, I I think one thing the Academy shouldn't get is more insular. Like it should (laughs) avoid that at all costs. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Liz? Mm, I definitely think, I mean, with Nomadland and Parasite and Moonlight winning in like the last five or six years, that's pretty sick. They are very good movies. They're all great movies. And the fact that they won Best Picture is like, why does it feel like a nice surprise? Like, mm. I don't know. I just do you think, think the it is that the itself, voting, the voting, um, uh, like the voters yeah. and like how that's changed diversity-wise has they changed like change? the actual way that they count votes? And at the start, it was like, oh shit, this means that everyone's second favorite movie will win, mm. and that's what um, apparently happened with Green Book. Like that's what people have said. Like that Green Book was okay. And a lot of people were like, well, I like that. I'll put that as my second option. So it ends up having more votes more than votes. the more challenging, yeah. good, um, maybe polarizing movies or whatever. Yeah, interesting. But I don't I don't feel like the the like riggedness of whatever movies win or don't win doesn't matter that much. It's more the way that the Oscars pitch themselves and how they're received, that it's so definitive. And that it's so global and mm. speaks for all time. And it, when, it's just like, them patting themselves on the bullshit. back. And whenever it's that, you're like, this is just embarrassing and ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I guess maybe we're the problem. It's our perception of the Oscars. We just have yeah. to, if the Muppets hosted, if it was a bit more fun, if they didn't sell likenesses of dead people as a gift bag at the end. It would all be a much easier pill to nice. swallow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But to be honest, am I going to stop being... We'll heavily invested in who wins. <laughs> annoying discussion. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An interesting year. Woo! A, a very weird Academy Awards. Soul got Soul got best uh, original score. It did. Resna. Were you okay with that? And Ross. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome. Phenomenal. It was I adored Soul. Yeah. Um, Me too. And it got animated feature yeah. as well. Oh, did it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. I think. I don't. I, have I? I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast before, but like I have a. Like Pixar obviously does the emotional beats so well that sometimes the machinations of the way the plot yeah, works in a Pixar movie frustrate me. And that's what I loved about Soul. I thought like actually the, the soul, like the nature of following this character naturally was like, oh no, you're not trying to like, you're not giving me like kid movie plot of like, we have to go to A to B to get the thing, to do the thing. Like mm. I actually thought was a really beautiful story that taught people a yeah. thing that they actually probably kids especially probably the first time they're being taught something like that mm. and it made like the twists hit that much harder as well because it didn't have that like really like obvious linear sequential mm. thing yeah. happening with it um that like yeah. leveling up sort of Some, structure yeah. something i want to link to below in our little notes is indie wires um their ongoing interviews with 
actual Academy voters where voters will explain why they voted for particular things. It will give you cancer. It is so annoying <laughs> because all of the oh, yeah, those in are the so animated like, feature a Hollywood one, reporter? I thought it was IndieWire. Maybe know. they well, both do them. Some of them probably. are wild. Dude, oh, they actually make you so, so ill. They're so uninformed. They're so dumb. Like who are we to say? We don't know what the hell we're talking about. But like some of the shit these people say and a particularly animated feature where they're like, I just picked what my kid liked. Like my kid didn't want to watch the one that was in Chinese. Chinese? I don't know what that mean. What? It's like, <laughs> in what world are you yeah. responsible? Like they will for always pick a Pixar all. movie and like, oh my god. You know what? Maybe I'll make an Instagram post about it because some of the ones for this year were so funny. Like the stuff they had to say. Do like, it. You have to. There's a voter that completely misunderstood promising young woman, and they're like, it finally clicked for me. She was the dead woman. <laughs> like, did you what? watch the movie? <laughs> like, are you crazy? Wait, what? It's that's so also funny. hilarious for a film that's like quite yeah Obvi- that movie holds your hand at every single <laughs> yeah. second there's no room yeah. to not get but anything just, yeah in that some movie. of the stuff they say is hilarious saying like i didn't vote for this because it was black and white and like why just why not just have a little color like it's not the 20s anymore <laughs> <laughs> or like just boomers being like particularly with trial of the chicago seven saying like he didn't look like that in real life. That's why I didn't nominate this movie. Imagine like, caring oh. about that shit, honestly. So, like, literal-minded. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> Exhausting. They should be. They should let us do it, hey. Nah, we and would make it better. We make it so much better and all these sh- stupid Chicken horror movies Run, would be best like... best picture from 2002 <laughs> to 2022. <laughs> and forever. Mean Girls. You could call it the Number Oscars, one. but just, like, with a K. Oscars. Oscars. Like the other Oscars. What if we made yeah, one just for Oscars. bad movies and we called it the like, Razzies? That would be funny. And we awarded bad movies and we made uh, fun yeah. of them. <laughs> because judging things that were made probably with really good intentions and people trying to do their job well is fun for it us. It actually is, though. It actually is, though. <laughs> I really <laughs> we, truly enjoy it. You truly love the Razzies? No, I hate the Razzies, but I love judging watching bad, bad things, things and feeling yes, superior absolutely. about it. Like, yeah. why but the Razzies as an institution is inferior. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. The also, Razzies, so the Razzies the time are worse like, than Oscars. That is, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so much of the time, like, that is wrong. Like, they'll have mm. things on the list. I'm like, are you actually kidding me? Like, that's that's just you being, like, soft boys. Like, that's just you being, like, nerds. Being like, eh, meh, meh, meh. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm like, the general public enjoys that. So you're the worst. I feel like this episode has gone on longer than the Oscars. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> I've been ranting. So anyway, bye. <laughs> bye, 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 bye. Um, the winner is Anthony Hopkins. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else to say? Check out the socials. Check out the Twin Peaks podcast uh, on Instagram and Facebook or yeah. contact us at twinpeakspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And see us next week for when we talk about. The Towering Inferno and Poseidon Adventure. It's finally happening. Ah, a disaster. See More you then. of a disaster than the Oscars. The Oscars. <laughs> 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 Bye. <a> terrible. Bye. <laughs>